Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. You guys want to um, welcome our speaker for today, a great friend of the church. This is Nicole Doringer. Good morning. I'm so glad to be with you all today. This is my first time back in person, so I'm so happy to be among all of you. Um, Of course, my name is Nicole Doringer. Like we said, um, I serve in whatever capacity I'm needed here at Vineyard. In June, it'll be two years that our family has been coming, so it's hard to believe it's gone by that quickly. Although, has this year gone by quickly? Yeah, not really. Um, I, I both serve um, in ministry and also as a lay person. I am on staff with an organization called Crew, and I work with high school and middle school students to help them have a chance to be able to start or attend a Christian group in their high school or middle school. So that is my actual part-time job. I also sub at a Christian school, so try to put all those pieces together to make something out of it all. Um, So the other part of me isn't here today. Um, My husband, Jeff, he is um, preaching somewhere in Northeast Ohio. I think maybe somewhere around Chardon, maybe. Um, He preaches most Sundays at some church. And we have four kids, and we're all just anxious to get to a post-pandemic world like the rest of us, right? Uh, which really brings us to our sermon series that we've been talking about, Unshaken Surrender, and considering this study on perseverance. I, like you, are in the same boat, and I feel like over this past year, we've actually had to recommit ourselves to persevering through the pandemic, right? It's like we have to re-enlist and ante up again, I remember feeling like um, right around Christmas time, Thanksgiving, I was like, oh, right. (laughs) Like, we need to lean in here. Um, And even now with this variant thing, I'm just like, wow. We have to keep on pressing in. And that is tiring. And there is a reality that we all are trying to do that. Like, we need to keep on going. And even from last week when Eben was talking about, don't give up, don't give in. And really, it's through broken men and women that God makes himself known. And really, if you consider your whole life, that is the theme. (laughs) Don't give up, don't give in, and God does something through broken men and women. And... So really, this pandemic continues what God has already been working in our lives. It's just a little bit more concentrated, so a little bit more visible. Um, But I get a chance today to talk through Philippians 4, 1 through 5, and we're going to take a moment just to prepare ourselves for that. I think um, taking a moment to be quiet, It's been a great atmosphere here this morning. For those of you online, we are 
thinking of you and considering you as a part of this body right here this morning. And let's enter now into just a moment to be silent. I'm going to guide you through a short little prayer time to be able to receive what God has for us this morning. So let's just get quiet for a moment, have a moment of silence, and ask the Lord to come. Holy Spirit, come to us this morning. Ask God to invite you towards something in this time. Tell him you are open. Or tell him you're tired, but you're willing. Or tell him you're not willing, but you need him to make you willing. Just notice what is true of your soul this morning. Tell him whatever it is that you need to clear the way and bring it to you. Jesus, as we sang this morning, that you have created all things. That means you've formed us. You know us. You know us completely. You know us deeply. And Lord, the forming goes on and on and on. And in this season of our lives, the forming goes on. So we invite you this morning to do that. Thank you for your faithfulness to do that. And ultimately, to allow us to live out the gospel of freedom and wholeness, which is such a gift from you. Help us to step into that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so you can open up to Philippians 4, if you have your Bible there. Philippians 4, verse 1, and as we read through the scripture from the passage, I'm going to start with the first word, therefore. Now, some of you have heard, when you hear the word therefore, notice what it's there for. And I'm going to refer back to the fact that Paul is referring to all that he just said. So everything Eben said last week. And specifically, in Philippians 3.17, it says, join together in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have us. And then in Philippians 3.20, it says, since we eagerly await a savior from there, meaning heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So it's important that we understand that 
that what Paul is talking about is what he just said, is that he wants them to follow his example, and he wants them to think about heaven, think about eternal things, think about beyond their present circumstances. And he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, consider the care and love he is speaking with. My brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way by considering heavenly things, dear friends. He calls them his brothers and sisters, his joy and crown, and his dear friends. If ever you see how much Paul loves people, it is right here in this verse. And he is turning toward the Philippian church, and he has specific messages for him for the rest of the book of Philippians, which we'll see this week and in the coming weeks. The verses go on. I plead with with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche, to be the same, of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So let's go back to that verse 1. Like I said, Paul is turning his attention to the Philippians, and he is going to personally address them with some issues that are going on in the church. Paul has spoken of himself in a broad sense what they are to do, but now he gets specific. And he's indicated how much he cares about these people in this church. Have you guys ever just stepped back and admired Paul's life? (laughs) Most of us as Christians really do. We just think, oh man, Paul, he's like untouchable. But what is it about Paul that we are drawn to about him? And we want to imitate Christ the way he imitates Christ. What is it about him? Well, he does exactly what Jesus said in John 15, 15. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So just like Jesus is investing in his disciples' lives, Paul is voracious about investing in people's lives. Paul doesn't just go around planting churches. He invests in people's lives. And Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He says it here, and he says it in 1 Corinthians. He says it everywhere. So we're going to look at um, a minute and a half video here. And this video actually shows what the lives of Paul and the apostles, where it all began, and where it is today, or at least 2016 is how far the video goes. I, um, I want us to think about, as we watch this video, as the gospel began after Jesus' death and resurrection and began spreading around the Roman world, 
and where that has ended up today. Because of the love that Jesus had for his disciples and Paul had for those churches that we're even talking about today, we are where we are today. So take a look at this video and see how the gospel has gone forth through discipleship. Oh, let me say too, sorry, that the colors, <laughs> it goes quickly, so the colors are important, but the dark places are water in the world, the white is Christianity, the date will be in the upper left corner, and the video goes really fast. So we'll get you a link so you can rewatch it, but take a look. This is the history of Christianity. This is what we are a part of. And I'm wondering about having a mindset of preparation as we persevere through these days of the pandemic. That this isn't just a time in our lives where we have to get through and get back to normal, but what is God doing in the hearts and lives of his people for post-pandemic life? What we do with the perseverance we are living out in this season is significant. Eben talked about that we are all seeing God form us in our story. If, and if, in fact, God is authoring our story, what is God bringing life to in your life? What is he transforming? What is he doing in your life that's unique in this last year? We are not going to give up. We are not going to give in. And what are we going to get, what are we going to yield because of that? And why would we even consider these things? Well, the reality is that Paul talks about the fact that his circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. How might this time in our lives turn out for the greater progress of the gospel? That's the question. When you look at that map and you think, I'm in that. That is the reason to persevere. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And like I prayed in the beginning, the gospel is freedom. It's wholeness. I mean, what do people need more than that? Right? Let's look at these next two verses. These are disciples of Paul, and he mentions them by name, Euodia and Syntyche. He says, I plead with Euodia, I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, and again, he refers to them as beloved brethren in verse 1. Help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. He's pleading. Why is he pleading? Because he has invested in these people. Like he said in Philippians chapter 2, which was several weeks ago in our sermon series, it says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights to the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ 
I may have cause to glory because I did not run in vain or toil in vain. Paul saying, do what is right so that my labor and all that I've cared about, all that I've invested in, isn't in vain. Take up the baton and go with the gospel. That's what he's saying. So let's look at our own lives here. The pandemic has given us a chance to not have to see those who cause us irritation or that we might have a rift with. You don't have to figure out how to muster up the energy to go interact with people that you don't really enjoy going and interacting with. Those who are maybe more work for you. You don't have to go to the office. You don't have to see that parent at PTA meetings or your kid's soccer game. Or if you are going, you certainly don't have to get close enough to talk to them. And you don't have to go see those family members that create all the tension at the family gatherings. In fact, you might be smiling and nodding when people are talking about getting back to the way it was. You're like, mm-hmm. I can't wait. <laughs> but guess what? Those situations are waiting for us when we return to all those in-person gatherings. And we will have to re-engage in some of these relationships. And the thing about people is they are a mix of good and not so good. My little admonition is this morning, don't wonder how people you thought were so good can do something so bad, right? It's sin. It's the whole reason that Jesus had to come. And I could give you a ton of um, play-by-plays of disagreements in the church, like Euodia and Sintich. And we are a mix of flesh and spirit. And we just plain lack knowledge and awareness sometimes. And we do preach grace, but is there room for it? What does it look like to persevere in grace? In these things, we are walking in a manner of our calling. That is the idea behind grace. And are we proving ourselves blameless and innocent? Are we appearing as lights of the world? And as I was reading through this, I thought, man, I've probably said their names differently every time I've said their names. But (laughs) I'm like, man, did Yodia and Sintaich... That's the way I found the actual pronunciations. Did they let this form them? Did it make a difference in their life and help to recreate who they were through this disagreement? Can you see the things that rub up against yourself, you know, rub up against you as an indicator of where you struggle? So, for instance, what happens a lot of times in our lives is the things that are most like us are the things that most bother us. (laughs) I remember this one time. I don't exactly remember the circumstances because it was quite a while ago, and unlike Ben, I'm a lot older. Um, But I remember getting ready for bed one night and talking to Jeff and saying, can you believe that? Can you believe they would say something like that? 
And it was something about um, that they were making assumptions or that they were saying things in a certain way or something like that. And I just remember him looking at me and saying, well, maybe it bothers you so much because that's similar to the way that you talk. I was like, (laughs) I was so mad. I'm like, well, obviously I'm not going to confide in you. (laughs) I'm like, never mind, forget about it. I was so offended. But the reason is because I did the exact same thing, and those are the things that tend to bother us so much, right? So I was just wondering, well, those are the things that actually bother us. And can we pay attention to those things in our life? This is a great time to examine what is going on for you. And we look at this passage sometimes and we're like, oh, those women, they couldn't get along. Well, let's look at our own lives, right? I do want to just go back to one point that I didn't get to say. Um, I want to say that, um, you know, the reason that Paul cared so much about these people and cared about their disagreements and their conflict was because he knew he had invested 10 years in these people. He first came to Philippi on his first missionary journey, which was 10 years before he wrote this letter to them. And he had invested so much. And I look around and see how we are spending a lot of time with some certain individuals. And there are also some individuals that need some time and attention. And I just want to say that we can do that. Like we can invest in people and really kind of not distance ourselves emotionally or um, spiritually from people. But who around you might be somebody that you can actually come right alongside in this time. A lot of us have more time than ever. Um, Who might you be able to reach out to and not just share the gospel with, but really kind of take underneath your wing? Paul really cared about these people. Here's some of the things we see in Philippians that he said to them. He said, um, wait, let me get to it. Um, He said, lost my place, you guys. Um, He says, I am praying for you. He says, God will finish what he has started in you. He says, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Do not be selfish. Be humble. He shares his own story and the growth he's experienced spiritually. When you think about those things, who could you share those things with? Who could you come alongside of? Maybe even go back through Philippians and see, what do I have to share with people that Paul shared with his disciples, with these people? This is how you speak to disciples. And we don't use that word a lot because we really just refer to those 12 people, those 12 men, in fact, in the Gospels that Jesus invested in. But the reality is that Those people invested in other people. Those people invested in more. Those people. Paul invested in these people. And we see that in the video, that the result is that Christianity multiplies. 
and we get to be a part of that. So as we think about that, as we think about what it would mean for us to live like Paul lives in this pandemic, in this time of forming in our lives, what might he have for you? Both to look at yourself like these women needed to, and also to invest in others. This last part, verses 4 and 5, it seems like this would be too much to say right now. But as I considered it, I realized, you know, this gives you heavenly perspective, which is what he's imploring them to have. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. In Psalm 51, David is talking to God, and he says this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, when we pray that kind of prayer, we're actually able to rejoice because when the truth comes out of what is happening on the inside of us, we actually can see God form something. We can be set free. We can be made whole. And the question is, are you able to rejoice in the things you're seeing in your life? Are there anxious thoughts that are hovering in you? We're going to get to that even next week. Are you contending with offensive ways that are contrary to gentleness? Are you seeing those offensive ways come up? Are you experiencing the nearness of God? It says the Lord is near. What is the overlay of these words of encouragement to persevere, endure, lean into, and examine? For example, if you lay those words over your life, what are you seeing? Are you seeing rejoicing and gentleness in an awareness of God's nearness? That's what we get to do. Because God has made himself known to us. Paul says, rejoice. Don't give up. Don't give in. Care for others. Let your gentleness be evident to all. In closing today, I just want us to take a moment with our eyes closed. I'm going to read some lyrics to a song. To know me is to know I love Andrew Peterson's music. You might want to check it out online, but it seems like any one of his songs becomes really applicable to things in my life. And this is yet another one of those instances. And this song is actually called Rejoice. I'm just going to read over the lyrics. You can close your eyes and you can just maybe picture what's happening in this song and see how the Lord might want to meet you this morning. And when the winter is over, the flowers climb through the snow. The willows weep and the clover bloom. Then all at once you hear a song that's stronger than the noise. Rejoice. And when the peace turns to danger, the nights are longer than the days 
and every friend has a stranger's face. Then deep within the dungeon cell, you have to make a choice. Rejoice. And again I say it, rejoice. Be still and know that the Father will hasten down from his throne. He will rejoice over you with song. So set your face against the night and raise your broken voice. Rejoice. And again I say, rejoice. Amen.